this pleases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger Digger. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, stop. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Hello, hello, and welcome to another great episode of, well, great upcoming episode of <laughs> Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Eris Felmuth. I'm Madeline Siegel. How are you doing, Maddie? I'm warm and cuddly, and <laughs> I'm all tucked up in my blanket. So, yeah, you know, it's always a nice, um, nice time after a long working day to just relax and sit here with you and talk. Yeah. And quatch. And quatch. There you go. <laughs> so today we're going to quatch. And um, we're going to talk about actually, I, so yesterday I, I, I took a really long bike ride into the city to meet up with uh, some friends of mine whom um, I haven't seen in, in years. And um, <laughs> on the way in, I decided to put on a podcast as I as I do, right? I'll either put on music or a podcast, specifically when I'm working or I'm traveling. I think to me, that's the best time to listen to podcasts. And yeah. that's uh, something I just, I've, I've always done, you know, listen to talk radio and podcasts. Um, yeah, like it's a great way to just kind of like tune out and just relax, right? Well, not tune out, but really just, um, I mean, tune out of the, the daily grind and just kind of shut off and open mm -hmm. your mind up to some cool ideas. Mm -hmm. So I hope you guys are going to be a bit open to what we're going to talk about today, hmm. or lots open. Today, we're going to be talking about biological fitness. Yeah. On the way, as I was just about to say to the city yesterday on the bicycle, I was listening to a podcast with Madeline in it when she was <laughs> on Freeman Fly. Yeah. And I'm just going to share the screen real, real quick. Uh, Born in Captivity. With Dr. Madden Siga, mm -hmm. The Free Zone with Freeman Fly, one of my favorite podcasts. So I just encourage anybody out there who is interested in um, great conversational topics, yeah. uh, information about everything under the sun. Um, Freeman is the guy, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's really nice and like, I think experienced a lot, talked a lot with so oh, many yeah. different people and is a, just a... A spring of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, really. And um, so that being said, I was just listening to the podcast and there was a there was a part in it about biological fitness. And I thought, you know, we touched on this also mm -hmm. last time, the last time um, talking about all the stuff we talked about, because it was a long show. Mm. And we put a <laughs> lot into it. We called it Checking Reality or Reality yeah. Check. And um, I realized in that in that show, there are, there are like a good five or six topics in it that we can later on turn into complete shows mm. right um oh look i got the leds all i was testing them and now they're kind of like right there anyway <laughs> that's the way it is for today <laughs> so that being said that's um nice. <laughs> yeah um biological fitness why don't you give us a little soft mm. intro as to what it is and you know as I, I wrote in the comment in the in the um description today are you fit out there in the mm. audience do you guys consider yourself to be fit? Well, maybe after you've heard what Madeline has to say, you might change your mind on that. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, one could think that you are very fit because you biked 35 kilometers yesterday yeah. <laughs> to Berlin. But if you would put on the definition from a biological point of view, so-called the uh, biological fitness, then it has nothing to do how much kilometers you're able to run or to bicycle. Well, not really. It has more to do with the amount of offsprings that you have. So in this case, Aris, I'm sorry, but your fitness is... <laughs> That's not true. My sister has two kids. I am almost there. Yeah, I'm just saying... Right? It counts too when my, when my, it's, when it's my uh, siblings have offspring. You're absolutely right. So that's the second part. You have first part, the direct fitness, which is the number of offsprings that you have yourself. And then it's, it's about... It's about that your own DNA is 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 kind of surviving, that you pass it on to the next generation. And of course, if your siblings have kids, then they also share a certain part of your own DNA. That's why you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> When your sisters or brothers have offsprings, this is also counting into your own fitness called the indirect fitness. And the indirect and the direct fitness um, added together, it's the, the total fitness mm -hmm. and... Yeah, so in this case, you are much better than I am. <laughs> because... You're the only child. I'm the only child. You got all the cookies. I got all the cookies, <laughs> as you can see in my big cheeks. <laughs> I start all the nuts. And I I also have no children myself. So my fitness is basically zero, to be honest. And uh, although I consider myself to be pretty fit, but as I said, this is something else. Yeah, so well, you've got cousins. I got, yeah, so yeah, it's also, of course, the the more distant, you know, the the, the less they share of your mm -hmm. own DNA because then more and more other people are involved in the whole story. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the further related, the less it's really paying into your fitness. Mm. And there's, there's a whole research and science behind that. You can even calculate the, the, the amount of the percentage that you would pass on of your own DNA Like, you know, your siblings are half, half of the, are 50% related with you. And then if they have kids, that would be 25% related with you. So, and so on and so forth. And there's only 100% DNA identity between twins that are identical, right? So that's, that's the... Sorry, I, I wasn't, I, what did you say? <laughs> you weren't listening. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was just, reading comments. I was just saying, you can actually calculate your, your own fitness. You can calculate how much, how big the percentage is of your own DNA that is given further. Mm -hmm. So if you have kids, then of course you have your, your own DNA, but you have to have a partner, right? Mm -hmm. So, and your so kids... So your kids get 50% is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, so your kids yeah, have yeah. 50%. And Unless you marry your cousin. That's another story. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's actually uh, 75%. Uh, well, you have you end up having um, Or even, six grandparents instead of eight. Yeah, so there's yeah, a... So. Yeah, but obviously this, this is also how, how it could work. <laughs> but also, you if you, you are related to your siblings with 50%, mm -hmm. and if they have children, of course, they also need a partner. Mm -hmm. That's why... A lot of 50%, uh, 25% goes away. So it's yep. only 25% left. Mm -hmm. So that's how you can kind of calculate it. Right. And if you want to say, well, there was actually a nice saying. I think I forgot it was an evolutionary biologist. He was asked to, what would you rather do? You know, save your brother if he's dying and risking your own life? What would be more, on an evolutionary point of view, more, more logical to do? Well, he said, well... 
you know, if I'm risking my life and well, I you, save... you you mean biological fitness point yeah, of view. The biological yeah. fitness point of yeah. view. Because I think this is a this is one of these things before you go into your story yeah. is um you talk about evolutionary fitness and biological fitness. Uh, and then there's also the Darwin fitness. It's is that all the same? It's a, a kind of all the same. Yeah. Okay. The biological fitness is really meant also the Darwin fitness because and I will will come to that point. Of course, the ones who are best adapted to the environment, they are also a, a best, they will survive most likely. Mm -hmm. And the longer you survive and the best you adapted, of course, you have the highest probability to procreate and also that your offsprings will survive. So that all is intertwined. Did you see the uh, picture that I posted today as the cover art? <laughs> you didn't see it yet, did you? I, I Yeah, I saw it. Here, you showed it to me. Here, here. Just... Uh... What do, you think of, funky... what do you think of this guy? What 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 does that say about his biological fitness? He looks pretty attractive, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would go for him if I was oh, the female. No. All right, I'm the putting female monkey. Back. I'm putting it back. <laughs> he even has, you know, like a lot of taste on a. His yeah. hair was even like what was that like crimped? What kind or of something? monkey is that? I though? have no idea. It's, oh, a okay. it's a monkey wearing a jacket and like fully pimped out in the. Yeah, in well, that's another story that people, you know, just... sense right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So mm. you're talking about the different kinds of fitness. Um, how does this relate to, you know, if I go to the fitness studio and work out? Well, it's kind of... To the gym? Yeah. So, yeah, to put it a little further, it's hard to really measure fitness, you know. If, if it would be that easy, you as a biologist would go out there and just count the number of offsprings of, for example, the rabbits. You know, if I want to know how fit the rabbits in the city are compared to those ones on a rural area, I'll just go out there and pick out the rabbits and see how many offsprings they have. But mm -hmm. obviously it's not that easy, right? So they look all the same. <laughs> if yeah. you don't have the genetic, if you don't have the genetic techniques to to see their relationships, then there's no way to really have a look into how their fitness is in, mm -hmm. in each individual. So what you do is you can measure the performance. And the performance is what we would, you know, think of fitness in a in a more more general way. Yeah. So how good is your performance means how how good are you to to survive in your environment? And that is directly related to your health. The the healthier you are, the the most likely you are to survive, you know, as a as an mm -hmm. as an animal is ill, has parasites or uh, is just like physically disabled somehow, then his his chances to survive are lower. Lower. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's jump into smart home stupid people. Yes. Um. And and, and take that exact thought train that you had just put into motion. Okay. And, I'm, I'm holding it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. And um. So if the, everything is in flux, you've said this many yeah. times before. Yeah. Um, what does that mean for our biological fitness when everything is in constant flux? Well, that we have to keep up with our performance in order to also have a good fitness. If everything is always changing. And by performance, you mean the... Well, yeah, no, let it put me that way. So it's more about the adaptation. You have to be able to to yeah to procreate right mm -hmm. and to have enough energy to take care of the offsprings of your family yeah so you have to have that energy that's the most important thing you have to somehow be so able hunting and gathering and yeah all yeah. that stuff finding communication food, finding the reproductive partner being clever enough to find food without spending all the time mm -hmm. in it and wasting all your rest of energy and so that you have the time for the procreation 
Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, you think of like, oh, okay, you adapted to a certain environment. You are, you know where the food is, you know where your your enemies are, you are best well adapted. Mm-hmm. But what about something changes? And if you mm-hmm. don't change, then your fitness will go down. Ah, so we're talking about adapting more than anything. Yeah, it's ad- adaptation. And what adaptation basically means is all all your properties that you have, you know, your physical abilities, your behavior, even your appearance, if that helps you to survive in a certain environment, then this is an adaptation. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so nothing is certain. We can put no. it in, in that kind of context, right? And so yeah. when we talk about what we often talk about on this show is could it be that the more accommodating our environment becomes, mm-hmm. the more we perhaps lose the ability to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. In that case, when something is in constant flux mm-hmm. and you are too comfortable yeah. to change with maybe the little bubble you live in yeah. is not in constant flux. It's actually very stable, but everything around the bubble yeah. is constantly in, in motion. Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden something happens, a catastrophe, and all of a sudden what's going on inside your bubble has changed yeah. quickly and dramatically. So therefore, because you're not used to mm-hmm. adapting on a daily, weekly, monthly, however yeah. you know basis, yeah, yeah. it means that your ability to survive has gone down because mm. you have chosen a life that is just um, void of constant adaption, right? Yeah. I can actually also tell you a funny story because this is the basically the reason why sex evolved. Okay. And with sex, I mean like different genders, like female and male, mm-hmm. that you need an, an like a sperm and the egg to... To come together. Well, in contrast to obviously, you're talking like um, uh, fish and reptiles and stuff, how they they don't necessarily have sex. Uh, They can be asexual. They can fertilize the external eggs. Well, that's also, no, that's all considered like sexual reproduction because Mm -hmm. you always need the female and the male part. Mm -hmm. It has to be a fusion of two different genomes, right? Of two different parts. Are you talking about the way that mammals have sex? Are you talking about (laughs) all... All. Okay, but so so let me get this right. So when the fish puts his eggs on the floor and yeah. another fish comes by and fertilizes them, that's still sex for you? Well, it's a sexual reproduction. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. external reproduction. Okay. Yeah. But it's still called sexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because asexual means there are no gender, like there is no other, um, other partner involved. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how you would distinguish it between biology. So asexual reproduction is typical for bacteria, right? Yeah. So and mitosis, that kind mitosis. of stuff. Yeah. and what it what it does is yeah you have one bacterial cell and kind of it kind of um, tile uh, uh, sharing or, or or splitting yeah it's splitting and then you have two identical daughter cells and that's the point they're identical they're clones, to the essentially they're clones right so and the point is that's quick and easy and they, and they only adapt through um um what's the word. <laughs> Well, again, uh, from what I remember from my good chemistry classes, is, yeah. is uh, they adapt through genetic mutation. Yeah, so we're not there yet. Okay, I, I need to explain it a little bit because it's kind of difficult. But once you understand that, then you also know why it's so important to have so many different versions and be able to adapt. You, you, you know, this their se- um, sexual reproduction produces a variety mm-hmm. of different species, even within a within one. Uh, sorry, individual, even within species. Right. But, just to put it into a better context. So again, we have the bacterial cell, it's splitting. We have two daughter cells are the same as the mother cell. They're all clones. They have all the same abilities. 
So that that version of reproduction is quick and dirty. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like really fast. All of you guys who had like a bacterial infection know how fast that can come up. You know, they're reproducing like crazy. Right. And so the the point is that's all fine and dandy as long as the environment keeps the same because they're as they're all identical they have all the same adaptations mm -hmm. to a specific environment are the te uh, temperatures for example or the oxygen level all that but if something changes then they will all die because they're all the same and mm -hmm. as you said the only way for this kind of bacteria to really have a certain variety is to mutations mm -hmm. actually also bacterial are kind of able to have it's not really sex because they it's 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 more like two bacteria can exchange their dna mm -hmm. and so bring more right. more variety into right, it right, right, right. um but yeah it's through mutation so but that takes a mm -hmm. while you know and that environment well, is changing and then they're all gone and so, just, well, let me finish that, okay, that thought. <laughs> and so, you know, Mother Nature thought like, mm, that can't be the way, you know, we need to change something here. Yeah. And so the idea is that's why the sexual reproduction came up, that it's it's only possible to come up with new life if you have two parts, you, you, that one from, from a male and from a female. So you have to have two so-called gametes. Mm -hmm. Maybe you heard about this. Yeah. And so they have to fuse. And from there, a new... A new new life can come up, and it, it will always be different. Each time, it will be different. Mm -hmm. It's not only the the different genome that comes together from mother and and father, but also there is like a like a the the way it, it comes together is a lot of um, how you said it like um, puzzling. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so a lot of variety comes up, and so even within within the same species amongst individuals that are related they're all still different right and that's that's the part of it so even when the environment changes you have a higher probability that some of these individuals have a certain gene that might come come out and they're able to adapt to the new conditions mm -hmm. and so they will be able to procreate right. yeah Oh, cool. So that's the idea behind that. I, in, I a, in a in a nutshell. <laughs> right. I, I, well, there are two things I want to say. Is uh, yeah. to go right off of that. Mm. I was uh, reading. And I, I mentioned it to you earlier, but we're not going to go into detail about mm -hmm. it. Uh, about 70,000 70, years ago, there was a super volcanic uh, mm -hmm. eruption in Indonesia. No, the cat is breaking <laughs> stuff over there. She becomes part of our our show, show now. more and more. Yeah. Yeah. She my found goodness. a box and she's jumping in it. Oh God. All right. <laughs> So we'll just tune that out. And so in, in, in I think, Toba it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, what they say is that it could be a direct link to what we believe to be the bottleneck of the mm -hmm. human civilization mm -hmm. and the death of most of the species on mm -hmm. this planet mm -hmm. uh, from when we look at the fossil records. And uh, they're saying that it could be possible that like we believe we've seen this through the genetic uh, records. Um, that uh, human population entirely went down to about like yeah ten thousand people yeah right so yeah, that's yeah. so when we're talking about uh, the people that then survived yeah how they built the species back obviously mm -hmm. they were closely related for a while yeah and so um, as you mentioned even though they're closely related their offspring were always a little different every time mm -hmm. different genes mm -hmm. were turned on mm -hmm. different genes were dormant or dormant yes. genes got turned back on so on and so forth so that's kind of like just to take what you were saying yeah. and put it into context this is exactly the 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 idea behind that and these bottlenecks is you know I, I'm sure humanity and also a lot of other species had more than only one bottleneck 
going yeah. through. And each time you have to think of, you have a pool of different balls, all different colors. And then the bottleneck basically just means that only through a few come through. So mm -hmm. on the other side, you have only a few left. So you take out a lot of different balls from the color. And at mm. the end, you only have the blue ones and the red ones and some yellow ones. Right. And so this is, yeah, the, the so-called gene pool, the 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 total amount of all different genes and a gene is <laughs> if you think about the dna as a very long um, strain mm -hmm. the, or there strand, are, yeah. yeah strands so there are certain um parts of in that dna that have information for specific um phenotypical um it's hard to explain that in English because I'm used to it in, in German. And your big words to the, put the them property, into dumb talk. For example, <laughs> the eye, the color of your eyes, there is a specific place on the DNA where this information is stored and that's so-called a gene. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have several genes that are together. Sorry? And what is phenotypic? Phenotypic is everything that you can see, right? So you have the genotypic part, which is the whole DNA. Mm -hmm. And then you have the phenotypic part. So that kind of, you first have the DNA and then... Mm -hmm. You know the the whole DNA will um, is kind of red, and then the proteins are produced, mm -hmm. and you are built as a human mm -hmm. <laughs> or as any other um, animal, and everything that is really reality at the mm -hmm. end. You know your your body, your physical appearance, your behavior. This is the phen phenotypic part, uh. and so that's we also um, in biology you also talk about the phenotypic adaptation and the genotypic adaptation. Right. Which means the phenotypic adaptation is everything that you can change in your behavior, the color. For example, if there is a, was it octopus and he is changing his color mm -hmm. or a chameleon, that's phenotypic adaptation. It's changing his color, his body appearance to the environment. Whereas the genetic adaptation, it's it takes a lot longer because, you know, obviously genes are just not just changing, although you have a mutation. Mm -hmm. And you heard about epigenetics, right? So this mm -hmm. is part of how you can actually change the, the genes in the DNA to 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 move on the adaptation. What what would you have to change in the DNA in order to come up with something that you wanna wanna see in in, in a physical mm -hmm. environment? I hope that was kind of no, it was, <laughs> it was it was a nice big circle. I wanna yeah. I wanna go in back to uh, talking about mitosis. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> what's that? I feel a little bit like an exam. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> no, you, you, you got all this knowledge and it's fun I, to I pick it. I have all that, yeah. You know, yeah, sometimes I forget it's all in there somewhere. It, it's somewhere right? in my little nugget, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so what I learned is I learned that um, simple cells that, that, that produce like via cloning mm -hmm. um, through mitosis, mm -hmm. that uh, the reason why they mutate is obviously because of something like radiation is a very typical example, um, yeah. reason. Yeah. And I was uh, I learned in a chemistry class that um, these type of mutations are actually a way for the vegetables, the fruits, the whatever, mm -hmm. um, to, to adapt themselves to the radioactive uh, spectrum around in their environments. They're actually, it's kind of like, um obviously when you have um um radiation affecting mm -hmm. a cell it's damaging mm -hmm. the cell mm -hmm. but the way that the cell recreates itself mm -hmm. with the information um that is retranslated yeah. but a little bit different yes. the retranslation is uh, from what i understand is tr like think of it like this is a great example that i heard a while back mm. 
And it was that when you have, uh, like you're talking about genetics, when you have your DNA strain, um, you know, attacked by something like uh, like radiation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, ionizing radiation, whatever, something that just like puts a hole in it. That DNA strain doesn't have the ability to reproduce itself until it's complete again. Yeah, it has to be repaired before. Yes, yeah. and it has certain mechanisms within itself to mm -hmm. repair itself, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, from what I understand. Yeah, absolutely. Right, what I learned in, uh, back way back in chemistry, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. um, the way that I, I I love this example is is it's like taking a book that has thousands of pages in it, yeah, and you go to a really good editor, and you say <laughs> seven pages are missing. Yeah, yeah. I really like this book. <laughs> Can you read it very thoroughly mm -hmm. and just kind of like rewrite those seven pages mm -hmm. according to the information mm -hmm. that you have yeah, as yeah. to what would be the most logical sense? Yeah. You know, obviously our 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 genetics and our DNA does it probably much better than an editor would recreate randomly seven pages. But the mm. point is, is that when those seven pages are recreated, they're not actually recreated identically to the original seven pages. Mm -hmm. They're close, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And these are the mutations from what I understand in a, in a layman's term, right? And yeah. the way that I understood it is that the way that it recreates it, it recreates it with the account of the way that it was damaged. Mm -hmm. So that it's actually adapting to that type of damage, to that type of radiation, to that type yeah. of uh, environment. So it's actually a way for um, cells uh, or, or, or organisms that uh, um, use mitosis in order to uh, split, right, and mm -hmm. um, um, and clone themselves essentially. Mm -hmm. That this is a way as to how they actually evolve um, with their environment. Yeah, exactly. So mutation is a big thing for mm -hmm. that. It's always a question about you know whether this is. Um, by so chance, I, right? Well, that's exactly why yeah. I say that is because the way I, I, I was I, I was taught it is, is it kind of shows you it's not really by chance. Mm. Like it's by chance that it happened. Like sometimes you get like a burst of energy and, and it's damaged. Yeah. But if you're in an environment that it constantly steadily has this type of, of radiation, yeah. then it's most likely that um, many of the cells are, are going to undergo uh, many of these yep. similar uh, damages, and yep, they're yep. going to rep reproduce themselves using similar techniques to fix the yep. damage, allowing it to adapt itself to this. And the this this turns into you know like mm -hmm. the the fish who come in into uh, shallower waters and have more direct radiation and so on and so Absolutely. forth. Absolutely, the environment has uh, you know so much influence on on a on an organism, and that's something actually I also wrote in my book. It's so called homesis. Is know. your first book? your second my second book <laughs> <laughs> almost wow. finished it's, almost it, it, finished. it's finished but it's almost it's almost released yeah yeah there's still a couple couple loops to take but it will be published in january but only in german yet we'll see if that will change actually i think i i should know soon if there are any other contracts coming up so hopefully you guys can also read it in english one day coming soon Coming soon. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think what we're going to end up doing is probably take most of the big topics from your book and just, and just turn them <laughs> I'll into just video read it and then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and and uh, take it from there. And yeah. the more the more demand there is for the English translation, the more likely it'll happen. Yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, coming back to that, that's so called uh, word is hormesis, hormesis. Horm I don't know how to pronounce it in English. Okay. you heard about this? No. no. Which basically just means that in in is it similar in to homeostasis? Medium, no, okay. <laughs> like a, a poison that ah, would be that's not homeostasis. Would be no <laughs> highly 
highly deadly in, in high dose mm-hmm. can actually be beneficial in a medium to low dose. Like a really good beer. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's, it's, I have to have a lot of it in order to die from, I guess. I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> so, in, in, in beer. In beer. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, su- such a thing as radiation, right? In a high dosage, it's obviously damaging to to the cells. It, it damages the DNA in a way that's not repairable. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of studies showing that in a low dosage, it's actually invigorating the immune system of beetles, for example, mm-hmm. or worms or rats oh, yeah. in the experiments. And they they also, the cells are reproducing faster. So they actually had a... Are you talking um, about the bacterium in, in the animals? In no, their, the cell. Which cell? Their cells. Oh, oh, you're talking about of the actual animal? Yeah, of okay, the so actual Okay, so we're not animal. talking about like the, the, the bacteriums in no, the guts no, no, or anything like that. No, no, not the bacteria, but okay. also it is basically the each cell in us is always has the mitosis in it, right? Mm-hmm. So they are reproducing like the the cells on your skin. Mm-hmm. They're copying themselves through mitosis. Mm-hmm. But then you have the the cells in your gonads, mm-hmm. gonad, yeah, gonads? Go, go, yeah, sure. yeah, and in the ovary and the um, what's your thing called? <laughs> what? <laughs> you have the ovaries with the females and the the males are the, the testicles, testicles, right? Yeah. So these are special because they go through meiosis. What are your things called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Though um, there is the my- meiosis going on, which means like they they are re- um, reducing the DNA. Meiosis the, or mitosis? The I mean, meiosis. I've been saying mitosis. No, the mitosis is the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, That's the, the one, the what, splitting. Then what are you talking about? The meiosis, because with the mitosis, it's like that before you have the bacterial cell, it's kind of doubling up everything. Mm-hmm. It's doubling the DNA and everything mm-hmm. up so that each cell has a complete, a complete DNA replication. replication. Yeah. So it's complete. I remember the word meiosis. I don't remember the definition. So enlighten me. <laughs> with, yeah, I'm like, enlighten you. us. For example, if you have the, the sperm cell, mm-hmm. right, it only has a half, oh, yeah. half amount of DNA in it. Um, For the human. For the human, that's yeah. why you need another half in order to complete it. Mm. So it's only one string, uh, one one DNA string, mm-hmm. and it needs another one to complete. And that's meiosis. That's well, the meiosis creates that condition of only having half. Ah, uh, the information the, yeah. released. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's you know cool things to talk talk about and think about. It's a little complicated, but basically, it's all it is. I, I'm always astonished how Mother Nature thought about this. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, of course, if we want to create more variety, then we need to have two individuals. But you, then you have to read that now. I'm sorry. I call them a variation of things. The nutties is a fun one. She's calling. She's talking about the testicles. Oh, the nutties. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the biological term for it, but uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you got nicely cut off, but I, I just, it just popped up. Um. Yeah, so these things, I'm just always astonished how that works with Mother Nature. You know, she's like, oh, gee, but I'm, I like to, to to think that way, that right. there is no such thing as it's all just by chance, but there mm-hmm. is kind of a plan, there is an intelligence behind it. Mm-hmm. Because if you see how complicated this is, you know, like, oh, we need more variation, so how are we going to do this? Well, we need two different individuals, but the DNA string are is like it, the full DNA has two strengths. Mm-hmm. So maybe or strings, right? So maybe we just separated it, mm-hmm. and when they come together, it's a full string again. But it comes from two different sources, which mm-hmm. means you have one string and the other string, and they are identical. They have both the the same genes on it. It's mm-hmm. like 
uh, it's hard to to find a good comparison. Linking logs. Yeah, but you have <laughs> the gene on one hand, you know, from your mother, there's yeah. information for your eye color, which be would be uh, blue. And from your dad is like brown and both things comes together. And the one that is more... Uh, so-called, you have the recessive gene and you have yep. the dominant gene. Yep. Like I have blue eyes and my mother has blue eyes, but my dad has brownish eyes. So Hazel, yeah. Hazel. But obviously I, you know, was lucky enough <laughs> yeah. that my, my blue eyes came through it. Yeah, I learned that with, with eyes, it's really cool. And yeah. uh, you guys can see that actually with uh, animals. We have a, a cat who has an interesting story oh, behind yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as soon as I say the word cat, Maddie smiles. She's like, oh, we're going to talk about cats. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> she's always trying to talk to me about cats. And I, 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 I tend to sometimes, you know, be a bit short with her. I'm like, Maddie. Just put the cat stuff on pause. I know. Let's do that later. They're um, just so cool animals. Well, the the thing, what I learned is that um, when you talk about, uh, there are certain um, features mm -hmm. that only come out when you have them on both sides yes, of, the, of, of, of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, why is that? Well, that's exactly what I said. Some genes are so-called recessive and you need them on both mother and father ah, to, to come, come through. through. Ah, really? And this is like the example with our cat Arvid. He is, um, an, has a, sp a specific point coloration or it's the coloration of point. Mm -hmm. So he's basically an al so, so, albino. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's almost albino. It's almost albino. So he has white fur, but his ears and his paws and his face is dark and also his tail kind of. Mm -hmm. Like and a raccoon dark. <laughs> <laughs> and so we he was lucky enough to have a cat wife and have little children and we were a little bit like what happened here they're all dark when they came out is like yeah. is he really the father <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> she, because she is not a siberian cat with the same point coloration she is a norwegian and has like a and they don't, amber... ha and they don't have that point no they don't have that right. color um naturally so there there's, there's no albino gene mm -hmm. in her and that's why when his genome and her came together it was only his information for the for the albino but her information for you know like kind of amber scent whatever it is mm -hmm. so he if he would have not have that albino gene he would have been like a yeah what is a tabby like a, a darkish tabby color and that was exactly the color that the kitten had so his gene came not through because it was not dominant dominant enough mm -hmm. yeah right uh, isn't that interesting <laughs> <laughs> there we go Fluff balls. She's talking about cats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. Well, right. I have to be honest, I'm a little too crazy on that, but obsessive. I'm obsessed. No, I just like them a lot. And yeah. 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 So, and that was the one thing that I learned too was that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with things like eyes, um, if it, certain types of eye colors will not come through unless it exists somewhere mm -hmm. on both sides of the family. Yeah. And that's yeah. just it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with uh, certain diseases. It's the same thing with certain mm -hmm. um, conditions, you know. And it even got complicated if you look back into generations. You know, maybe you heard about the jumping generations mm -hmm. that some some features came come more out to one one from your grandparents you know yeah, that yeah. you look a lot like your grandparents because i don't know it's just that's how it came through through mm -hmm. you yeah so yeah it's 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 really cool that's why it's also so interesting i always look at you know from a biological point of view to families and compare the siblings how they look like and you can see you know it's more the mother more the father some 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 aspects are so dominant that you can see them through mm -hmm. the whole family like I'm not pointing at you like a big nose. 
<laughs> not because of you, but sometimes you can see that, you know, that's a very dominant feature mm -hmm. that people have. And you can see how they're all related because this is a dominant gene. I think you can have big cheeks and a small nose, but if you have big cheeks and a big nose, it's problematic. Why? It's just too much. Oh. <laughs> well, that's right? in you... the eye of the beholder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about what that would look like, right? Like a pelican who has, yeah. you know, like in a chipmunk. So, um, <laughs> here we got. Is this is this a question or another funny comment? Oh yeah. Okay. Last funny comment, and then we're going to go to the next topic. Okay. Uh, my cat Max. See, we got onto cats. Yeah, and, and maybe now we just all have the a chicks whole, are jumping in. A whole <laughs> episode about cats. If you don't want to join, you know, I just my like... friend Terrence used to pick up girls um, with pictures of cats in his wallet. There you go. I'm not the well, only one. Well, he was into goth, so that really worked. He's, oh, okay. You know, you go to goth clubs, order a beer, and open up, and like, can I pay for your beer? And they'd see the cat, like, <laughs> front and center in his in his wallet. They're like, oh, is that your cat? And he's like, yeah, this is my world. Oh. Yeah, see? It works already. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, my cat, Max, has a tempered, sensitive albino gene. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point gene. Um, all cats with those darker genes, like Siamese, uh, darker areas like Siamese, have genetic traits. Do you know anything about it, Maddie? Uh, the the darker uh, like so obviously you have the point like her cat also has the point uh, mm -hmm. gene mm -hmm. um, so what, what's with the dark parts all over the body it's kind of that's the point as as far as I know I'm not really an expert in the whole coloration of you know, all these crazy cats uh, different Mixtures, yeah. versions that are out there but I just know that the point version basically means that you have the albino and then certain parts of the body are darker and these are the so-called points oh. and the the point variation in the Siberian from what I know I'm pretty sure it's right it came out naturally it was something that the, yeah, so it wasn't the, done by a breeder. No, but but with other and the other breed breeds, uh, bred breeds, yeah, breeds. the 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 point is actually man-made. It's right. not natural. That's why you're also with the uh, Norwegians. You don't have that because the Norwegians are not so inbred yet. Mm -hmm. People are. This is a very natural cat. Um, yeah, they're race. only uh, what like a uh, hundred years removed from complete wilderness, right? Like yeah, they didn't they didn't start you know making their ways into people's homes up until no. recent history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But with the Siberians, that's actually a funny story. They also are called the point variation is also called Neva Masquerade, which was because the the Siberian obviously come from Russian or Russia. Mm -hmm. And back then when the Tsaren, the The Tsars. The Tsars, the Russian Tsars, they had huge huge custom festivals. Yeah, they and had the masquerade festivals. Yeah, they had the yeah, masks yeah, yeah. on it. And there's a, a river called Neva in in Russia. And mm -hmm. so they saw these cats running around there. And obviously it was natural variation. And I said, look, they, they look like they're, they're wearing masks just as we do, yeah. you know. And that's why they're called Neva Masquerade. Yeah. yeah, but um, and other in other cat breeds, they really specifically do it on purpose and, and take hmm. cats that have that recessive gene and put them with others together so that they come up with this. Right on. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let the cat out now because she's pawing at the door. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a very nice way of doing that, Fiona. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, she's very, uh, very polite cat. <laughs> <laughs> so the next topic that I Hi, wanted Fiona. to bring up is um, disease. Okay. So now we're kind of, yeah. so we've kind of made a nice little picture yes. of, uh, of, of, what biological fitness is, yes. you know, and you got to talk about cats. So I'm sure you're very happy about Absolutely. that now. Absolutely. And um, 
<laughs> oh, we got another big comment. That's coming later. <laughs> and so um, now when we talk about diseases, mm -hmm. we talked earlier about, um, you know, genetic fitness and all that stuff and um, environments. Um, mm -hmm. Everything is constantly in flux. Mm -hmm. And in order to, uh, a, you know, to, to have a good... Uh, biological fitness, you have to be able to adapt to these constant fluxes. Yeah, yeah. That means that if you live in an area where the days are hot, hot, and the cold nights are really cold, yeah. um, you got to get used to that or or you got to go because yeah. it's not going to be easy. Yeah, that's right? why if you look at different ecosystems and different habitats, you find animals and plants that are so incredibly adapted to mm -hmm. their environments. Like, you know, the plants in the desert, they have these thick leaves and they can come along with uh, without water for i don't right. know how many times and and so yeah all the creatures that are still out there in the life they are so well adapted to environments and this is this is their secret they only the species will survive that are so well adapted to the environments but it's also depending on the environment some are very stable just as if you look in the temperate rainforest they almost all have the same temperature over the whole year right. not much changing Whereas in, you know, the, the more te um, temperate uh, areas or even in cities, I think cities are the most interesting habitats you can look at for uh, adaptations because a city is changing so much each day. They have different, you have different areas, like you have the park areas, you have the downtown districts, you have gardens and recreation areas, all that. And... At the same time, you know, buildings come up each day almost. And mm -hmm. the, 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 the picture of a city is changing every day. And that's why in cities you only find species that are able to adapt to these changes like raccoons, right. mice, or uh, yeah. Okay. These kind of species, also rabbits. <laughs> well, so now yeah. when we talk about that, like, um, oops, uh, when we talk mm. about the environment... Mm -hmm. uh, we, you, you, you're now saying that it's such a really important part for the biological fitness to be able to adapt to a, a fluctuating environment. Yeah. Right. Well, so now we talk about anthropomorphic influence. Yeah. Right. Specifically, when we are talking about um, pests. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you, you've run into pests. The, is like pest. a disease. No, 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 not that kind of pest. I mean, um, yeah, in in German, in, uh, the plague is called pest, uh, but um, the uh, the pests are just like um, um, things you don't want around. Essentially, they just bother you. you ah, don't like okay, them. like a plague. No, 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 no. We're talking about like like bugs in your kitchen, like ants. Ah, okay. We call them like a pest. Okay, Ungeziefer. Well, that's a nicer word, <laughs> but I don't know if anyone out there is gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> Just made to make it clear in my head. Good. That we're talking about. And and so <laughs> yeah, like you know, uh, when you have um, ra raccoons in your in your attic. Yeah. Uh, and they're just ripping apart everything. It's, you know, they're, they're they're rodents, they're pests. Well, they're not rodents, but you know what I mean? Like rats, they yeah. chew at everything. We call them pests. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, pesty things. We even call kids pests. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and and so the point is, is that um, when, when we don't want pests around, mm -hmm. what do we do? We, we try to get rid of them. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. And uh, from an anthropomorphic point of view, you know, obviously our cities are not really environments as much as they are habitats. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like in the zoo, you know, you go and see the the monkeys, you can go to the city and see a bunch of different monkeys. Mm-hmm. And those monkeys are us. And the the interesting thing I'm seeing is that the way that we, that when you go through the definition of biological fitness mm-hmm. and, and to really it means to control a species. All you have to do is control its environment, really. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and that's because and, we yeah. saw that with the rabbits. You were talking about how, when, um, in order to get rid of the rabbits in Hamburg, in, in Frankfurt, mm-hmm. it wasn't enough to just go around shooting them mm-hmm. because what all you need is a couple to survive and they will come back in yeah. great numbers. Yeah. But what they did instead was they got rid of all the shrubbery. Yeah. They um, just got rid of all the cool things that were all the great things that would help them thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yep. all of a sudden that is what wiped them out or they got a, a, or they got a disease and in combination with all that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, that they, they had nowhere to take shelter properly. They couldn't rebuild and it just got too difficult. Yeah. Yeah. This, that's what I saw with my own eyes when I went back to, to Frankfurt because the the rabbit population was really going down and we were thought like, you know, what what's happening here? Is that because of an illness or a disease, mm-hmm. they have the so-called myxomatosis, which is a typical disease for them. And they 80% of them die each year. It's kind of like a wave that goes through right. every couple of years in the summer time. It's a virus infection. And there's another virus infection called the China virus, <laughs> which yeah, I'm right. not making up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, that... It's a virus because China virus, because it was first kind of it f- had first outbreak in China, but it's not really clear where it originally came from. Well, the 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 idea is, is that it was uh, it, it was discovered in China, but then it was weaponized and used and, and, and exported purposely to um, specifically, uh, I think it was Australia, New Zealand and then after yeah, later Europe, on uh, to control because they saw how efficient it was. Yeah, Well, yeah, that's a different story. But yes, it was it's it's very efficient if you want to, you know, uh, put it like that, which means the rabbits are dying within a couple mm. of days and it's a horrible death for them. They're like kind of bleeding internally to yeah. death. It's really, really bad. So we were thinking maybe that's the reason why the rabbits disappeared. But normally you will see them dying or you would see them on the ground. They, they're not going back into the borough system to not infect the, the rest of the group. They will just, for a couple of days, you'll see them. They're kind of, you know, blind and, and they can't eat anymore. It's a horrible way to see them living. But there were no carcasses, nothing. There was no trace mm. of this disease. And so I, I met up with that local hunter who was responsible for the, the hunting in the city. And he also said, no, I don't think that's the illness. And we, ought, we called even the veterinarian right. area if they thought, if you know, if they, they had any incidences of that d- disease. Can, they, can it be transmitted over to cats or anything else? No, it's but it's between domestic Rabbits and wild rabbits. It can. Okay. It can be. And I think it's also hares. Can also be affected, perhaps? I yeah. think hares can also be affected. Oh, I'm wow. not so sure about that. One of the two is actually infect, infe- infectious for them as well. Oh, uh, uh, myxomatosis, you mean? or? I'm not so sure. I think myxomatosis yeah. it is, but okay. I, I have to look that up. And so what, what could it be then? So we went further and I looked... You know, we went really to the bar systems where I did my studies on in the city center and already from far away, you could see that they took away the shrubberies and they even closed the bar systems. They put sand in it. So they completely closed it up. Right. And on one, we we found like a, a young rabbit. It was maybe, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks old, they, a couple of months old, not, not, not very old, like 
just that size, right? Mm. So, oh, it broke my heart. And I was back then. I was with a film team because they wanted to make a documentary about the rabbits in the city, and they yeah. were none. They flew in all the way from Canada. Yeah, and in the end, uh, we couldn't take that part in the in the English version because. That was not how they intended to have the story. You know, they kind of they rearranged want, yeah, it later they, they, into they German. Called, they called it the the amazing rabbits, or what was it called? The show. Uh, what is it? Remarkable rabbits yeah. is the is the movie called. And they were remarkably um, dead, and that's not what they wanted from, in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, also have to say, Susan Fleming, she was the producer. She was really with me there, right? Um, I mean, with her, she wanted to have that part into as well to see to show the the how how it went the whole story but at the end she had no decision over over it but yeah that was what we saw and then for me it was clear okay i think it was a bunch of combination a bunch of factors coming Mm -hmm, together but that was the main thing and it was not the only situation so we we found other places but clearly human influenced well for me, obviously, because that is a public park. Who would have interest in cutting down shrubbery in a public park other than the city? The city, right? <laughs> so who would do this, you know? And also filling up it's all funny, the holes, you know, because their main argument for why the rabbits shouldn't be there was that they're destroying all the beautiful shrubbery that they put everywhere. And so, what do they do to get rid of the rabbits? Is they get rid of the shrubbery? Yeah, it's kind of weird. They also argumented that you know they the bow systems made things unstable. Well, in some cases, you could see that the bows were really underneath buildings, which or, or, kind of or roads, or not roads, not so much, but no? really underneath. I thought you said that a couple of times you saw them burrow uh, through, uh, under Only through one the highway. Time. Only one time. Well, that's still pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. It All was right? really over a couple of meters, right? Yeah. But I, I, as from my from my perspective, there was no danger for that street to collapse <laughs> just because of the rabbit bar. Mm. So they came with all these arguments that they say, you know, we have to hunt them down to just a couple left. And actually, I think it was the hunter who said, well, I can't take all of them out. You know, this is not like, this is not not the way I would hunt normally. They they use ferrets that they put them into the bar systems and then the ferrets flush out the rabbits. So that's a very natural way for them to hunt because it's a natural predator. Mm-hmm. And also through that process only, he says, you know, maybe 80% he gets out. Some are mm-hmm. experienced, they stay in the bow system. Some can run away. Right. That's how you have the 20% surviving. Right. But yeah, even, well, they're not running around with uh, shotguns in the city to get no, rid of them. You, no, they're no, no, actually no. Uh, trapping them. Yeah, they're trapping them. They're using yeah. the, the ferrets to trap them. And then the hunter takes them, you know, at home and sells them as game meat. Yeah. 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 So at least they had no, a little purpose at the end. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, you know, who makes that decision to say it's enough? Well, or or, or that they're a pest. Or that they're a pest. From right? my perspective, and I was there for seven years studying them each day, really spending a lot of time. I would say they brought more more wilderness and more life, and life co- yeah, into the absolutely. city. And if you if you know it, it's also a big part of my book that they're actually ecosystem engineers, yep. which means they create their environment, they enrich their environment through their feces. They yep. put the latrines, you know, so, they come so, all to the same place and shit on the same spot. Yeah. So and then with that, they're enriched. They put night, um, nutrition into the spot. So you have. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Is that so? Yeah. Th- their feces. It's not like a dog where it sucks to have dog shit everywhere. Rabbit feces everywhere is 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 supposed to be pleasant. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say pleasant. Well, to be honest, in the park areas where there are a lot of rabbits, you had like a lot, a lot of these 
uh, latrines, sometimes up to, you know, a couple hundred. Yeah, but when you, become... when you step in the latrine with your shoe, is it like, oh, I got latrine no, all over my shoe? No, it's not like a, like a cow, you know. Patty or anything. <laughs> it, it, it's... They're more like, I don't know, like a, like a little pallet, you know, and they're not, not, not that soft, but more a little harder. Mostly just grass. And, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. There there are herbivores, so it's not that stinky, you know. It's just, yeah. at the end, it just, it, it degrades into into fertilizer. Yeah. And that's it. And that's what you could see. All these latrines, they had a lot of different plants growing up. Also, the rabbits, since they are vegetarian, they transmit the seeds from one place to the mm-hmm. other. So they really help, actually, the plant community to come up. Yeah. And also through their burrow digging, they create habitat and living space for other small mammals and even for reptiles and, and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So remarkable. Rabbits. I always like them. And that's why I'm really writing in my book, you know, this also with the beaver. There's actually the funny story in Berlin, the beaver chopping down the trees and then the police came. <laughs> To, I don't know what they wanted to arrest him, maybe, or to give him, you know, a warning. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, no one, no one told him that it's illegal to chop down the streets in the city center. But you now know, I knows. kind of just, just, just coming up a little funny on that to see how ridiculous actually the whole thing mm. was. And then at the end of the chapter, I say, you know what? Maybe we would see it on the different, in, in a different way. We change the perspective. How would actually anim- animals and plants would us give penalties for what we do? You know, if they would look at us and see what we destroy in their environment, I think, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's and that's that thing is that the so now we're going on to the I think the last topic we'll wrap up the, the night yeah. with before that. Um Felminator wanted to know about uh the the spots that are darker on the cat. So we're going back to the Neva mascara hair. <laughs> Masca- <laughs> yeah, exactly. The yeah. point Do you wanna albino. you wanna go to a walk or <laughs> exactly. It's it's um it, well she wants to what she learned is that um the spots that stay darker are the spots um that let me put that <clears throat> up that um heat couldn't travel to as easily. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so they were colder. Right. So the so it says here, um, the body struggled uh, hard to keep those areas warm. That's why those spots spots are darker. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's any validity to that um, in the mutation? Well, if it comes up on a because it's always on the like the the face, the feet, and the tail. Right? Yeah, yeah. And speci- specifically, if you look at the Siberian cats, right? Um, I can look into it. I'm I'm kind of talking out of blue here. So, but mm-hmm. this is what I would could imagine. The the Siberians living in a in a snowy area, mm-hmm. you know, it's also for them it's kind of like an adaptation. I don't know if they have a lot of predators out there for yeah, I don't know. You know, either. and and as you said, maybe with the temperature, yeah, how would that actually be related? If the the white is reflecting, so that would not keep the warmth there. The the darker the fur, the more they would keep the temperature. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I can look into it more. I'm, it's I'm, it's I funny because we we've um, trimmed our cat a couple times because he gets like um, he goes. We we have marshland uh, like bogs uh, right near where we live, and uh, the cat comes by just stinky and like has <laughs> dreadlocks all over him. And so sometimes we have to cut them out and shave a couple pieces yeah, off of him. He's a wild and, one. Yeah, and I noticed uh, between his shoulder blades on the back after we cut the hair short, it came back darker. Yeah. 
So that was actually really interesting is the act of cutting the hair made it come back in a, a you know in a darker color. Yeah, yeah. Um and and that's interesting because by cutting the hair what's happening is that you can't heat that area up as much anymore and it came back darker. Yeah. And yeah. so that's not even like um a genetic mutation that's that's uh, that's a, a, a direct adaptation. That would you call the phenotypic adaptation exactly. right, in that point. Yeah, yeah. if the the fur color changes because nothing really changes in in um in the DNA you still have the same information right mm -hmm. but well also i think it's sometimes intertwined you know if you have changes in the gen in the gene part some 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 genes are upregulated and some are downregulated that yeah. also affects of course the phenotype I, I read a, a great article um, from Berlin that they had released um, not released but they had taken um, specific pigs like mm -hmm. um like um the type of pigs that you would typically slaughter and introduce them into the the wild. Yeah. And by introducing them into the wild by yeah. the end of their life, yeah. dormant genes have had turned back yeah. on yeah, yeah. and they started growing hair again Absolutely. in certain areas uh you know like yeah. like a like a wild boar. Yeah. And uh, certain features started coming back in their life alone. Um, yeah. So that was really Even interesting to see. Even within one generation, you can it, see that, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is exactly that they they used to be adapted to this environment, their, mm -hmm. uh, their ancestors, so they still have the information in them. Right. And you can also see that with just the last cat story, and then we're done. <laughs> with Fiona, she used to be uh, an inside indoor cat for two, two and a half years. And then now she's with us. The first time she's experiencing colder temperatures, and you can just see how her, how her fur is kind of poofing up. <laughs> she's just really dense in, in her fur because she's adapting to the colder environment. Yep. Yeah, yeah, spending nights out and all that stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, she loves it. <laughs> Doing well. Um, so let's shift over to the last point of the night because okay. this is going to be a shorter episode. Um, yeah. It's Wednesday, so we started at 8 p.m. Central European time. Yeah. Um, we are going through a, um, what the hell do we call it? Daylight savings. One week earlier than North America. Oh, yeah. That so means is it on this weekend? Um, upcoming weekend. Uh, but this weekend, we're not going to be streaming either uh, because you're not going to be around. Yeah, I probably won't make it because I have a workshop that lasts until s Sunday at six o'clock, but it's really up, up, up in Berlin. Yeah. And I don't know if he'll make it on so time I, back I don't home. know if we're one week or two weeks earlier. I got to double check that. Okay. So um, this weekend, it's not going to happen anyway. So it's not going to be an issue. But the mm -hmm. following week, it might be, a, it's not an issue. It just means that I think we're going to be um, fall. Ooh, that means that we're going to be five hours apart mm -hmm. instead of six hours apart to Eastern Standard Time, for mm -hmm. example. Um, so I'll write that up, um, you know, in the Telegram app for everybody to see when we're actually going to be going live. And yeah. uh, I'll, up, I'll also put in there what time it's going to be for Eastern Standard because it's always this weird gap uh, that uh, we're in, we're much further north than uh, most of the inhabitants of uh, North America. And for that reason, we switch earlier. So they say. <laughs> I think daylight savings is like a crock. It's it's just it's it's I don't know what's wrong with just having one global time. I don't. I think it's just too much fucking nonsense. <laughs> but that's me. You know, yeah. who cares if uh, if if three in the if if three o'clock is light or dark, so long as everybody understands what time of day it is, right? <laughs> All right. So well, the last thing I want to talk about is yeah. now let's take it home and um, let's 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 cross it over and talk about humans. Mm -hmm. So we spoke a lot about um, you know things being in flux. Mm -hmm. We spoke about um, adapting to these things. Mm -hmm. You know, we even um, now talked about when we, ch when, when 
when the environment changes, we have to keep up with it. And the idea of smart home stupid people is that, yeah, you know, if we don't, if we lose the ability to adapt to our environment, um, when it starts to change again, yep. we can't keep up. Yep. And it's uh, and, it, and it then increases, uh, uh, you know, what you call a, it's mm -hmm. a stressor. It, yeah, it, it, just... it, it, it becomes a negative stress for for us humans yeah, or for just, any life. Just getting harder, right? To keep up. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Impossible. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like sitting on your ass for a year then having to run a marathon. It's just, it, it, yeah. it's 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 not going to be fun, right? It's going to yeah. be very stressful. Yeah, it even kills you. <laughs> Perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, and so that being said, uh, the, the interesting thing I actually found is that... Um, as, as, as I heard in the Freeman um, podcast episode that uh, that was the first time I really heard you talk about that, so I wanted to bring it up today, mm -hmm. was that um, the if you can control the environment, you can mm -hmm. control essentially the organisms yep. within it. And what does that say about us people? You know, um, one thing I, I've been thinking about a lot lately, because we have put a lot of effort um, together into um, resourcing our, our food completely. So we try to get almost all of our food um, directly from a farm. Mm -hmm. Or um, again, we live in, in Brandenburg, so there's a special thing that the Germans do. And up here, it's it's a big thing too, because everybody traditionally had um, huge gardens mm -hmm. on their property, right? Yeah. Like Madeline's parents' property is a couple square kilometers. And uh, they had just a massive garden. They had pigs, they had chickens, they had uh, the neighbors had goats, they had a cow. Um, and and so it, it was very common that all the extra food that you, that you couldn't, you know, put on your own table or mm -hmm. jar or mm -hmm. preserve or whatever. You will you 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 bring uh, you make this nice little like cart or trolley yeah. and bring it out in, in into the front of your uh, garden yeah. um, to the street, and you just make a nice little stand with prices and yeah. and and that means that you can literally go grocery shopping just walking up and down your street yeah. Yeah, uh absolutely. and visiting all your neighbors and buying their tomatoes and buying his zucchinis <laughs> and buying honey from this guy Pumpkin because and, maddie's yeah. neighbor also had a couple beehives and still yeah. does it to this day yeah um yeah. and and it's just what a fantastic way of and this was very mm. traditional and it's still happening but you're really seeing that the younger generation isn't taking it yeah the younger generation is fucking off to the city and the suburbs are now being built to support people who can't afford to live in the city and past the suburbs of the direct city is now when you're getting into the countryside and it's essentially just full of old people and when they sell the property um, one of two things happens the people who inherit it just want to flip it yeah yeah right um, or, uh, sorry, when they die, what I was saying is when, when they die, the, the property gets inherited. The young people will either sell it as a profit because they don't want to live out in the countryside because there are no opportunities over there no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so unfortunately that happens. And often the case is that you get big agriculture. Mm -hmm. Big agriculture is something that I, I honestly think, and I asked this question, you know, maybe you guys out there could think about this, um, join the smart home, stupid chat and tell us what you think about it. I'm under the impression that big agriculture is completely unnecessary. I think that this has been a, a tool by uh, by government and um, just by control structures yeah. in general to try and control us as organisms. Because as we mentioned, if you control the environment, you control the organism. And yeah. we know 100 years ago, we had a million more people in the Berlin city center and they they got on just well you know they obviously back then people had more horses than they did cars um 
And, you know, the, the city was actually more like a bunch of villages that eventually became a metropolitan anyway. But the, the point is, is that these little traditions, like everybody having a large garden, um, one household having three generations and everybody farms a little bit. You know, if you're not if you're not going to work and making money, you go to the garden and and, and help the tomatoes. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and and then at the end of the day, you bring all your food up front. Your mom said she made uh, an extra, what, five, seven grand this year just on selling stuff in front of her door. I don't know how much, but well, yeah. Well, that's what she told yeah, me. Yeah, she, for years she does it. Like yeah. she, she sells it's a nice um, little passive bouquets and all that. Right? Yeah, 500 bucks a month. Why yeah. not? And and so it's it's one of these things where uh, this was such a normal thing. And uh, you know, if you know your neighbors, you know, you can talk to them and you know who's using pesticides and who isn't. And it's never going to be uh, on the same level as, yeah. as big agriculture no, either, no, no, no. right? They don't want to have that shit in their on their property in their garden, right? right? People, yeah. If people knew what poison's yeah. doing to their immediate environment, they're not yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. it, right? Some people are stupid today because they just want flowers and they want their vegetables to look nice, and they just don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that traditionally, um, th there were there were also there used to be. I know um, back home we had some really interesting techniques about planting certain flowers mm -hmm. around the perimeter of the yeah. food that you grow, yeah, um, to not necessarily deter pests but attract the pests to there, mm. the bugs that you don't oh, yeah. want and yeah. so on and so forth. Or they would be um, um, potent enough that the rabbits and the cats, because we have cat problems sometimes in Canada too, <laughs> back there and um, raccoons, for mm -hmm. example, they just won't cross that barrier because mm -hmm. it's, it's too offensive and they yeah, won't yeah. make it to the food. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of great natural techniques you were talking about in the past, how even uh, down south they used like forms of like chalk powder from the mountains in, or, as a natural pesticide. Am I mistaken? Mm, Kreide. Kreide? I don't know. They use it for uh, when the chickens have, you know, like fleas. Yeah, okay. yeah, like little parasites. Right. They put so, it's, in. so it's a natural was, way remember of Remember getting... that one when we had the fleas? I was kind of putting it all over the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgetting. Yeah. Something yeah. I tried to forget. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, so what I'm getting at now is let's wrap this up. Let's take it home. Yeah. Um, what, how, how, how do you feel about humans? And um, what, what, what would you say as a biologist, you know, when you're looking at the way that we are developing our lives and our cities and our environments today, is it conducive to a healthy fitness? Well, now that we don't have three <laughs> generations in a house, instead we mm -hmm. have everybody has their own apartment yeah, and yeah. most people don't have children anymore. Well, again, I said that I think in the last episode as well that we humans are mammals and we're very social mammals, which means we are we usually have that family structure where yep. we live in and that family structure gives us gives us you know a certain kind of stability of security it makes us feel good if the structures are healthy mm -hmm. but this is the point i mean where where do you find healthy family structures where you know the 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 members are having a loving relationship to each other to support and and really uplift themselves their their you know the children and mm -hmm. the parents so I think that what we live right now or what we can see, especially in a, specifically in the cities, is not is not a natural way for humans to live. And it's okay. just a question of time, how long they will be able to keep that up, specifically when the reproduction rate goes down. Mm -hmm. you know, so that, and, and this is it. It's about fitness. It's about how many offsprings you have and you can pass on to the next generation. And if... I can just see that from myself, you know, being a scientist for so long that 
I, I, I barely know no friends in my age that have, if, if they have any kids, more than one. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and yeah. And, and you're not going to make net population unless uh, you have two kids. Right, because yeah. you because you have two people, so yeah. it, like my point is, the population doesn't grow unless you have three. You know, net is two. Yeah, but but this is at, at the end, you know, kind of going into uh, another direction. Although yeah, we on a global on a global scale, you you well, see I'm, that I don't mean it like that. Yeah, I, I mean it in the sense that um, it's it's more clear to me. Like put it this way, is our environment changing faster than we can uh, healthy adapt to it? Or is it the other way? It, it, it has things staggered and slowed down to a point where we can no longer adapt. Like mm -hmm. it's it's funny because yeah, I see it question. both ways. Yeah. I see it that um, our our technologies, our cultures. Like you know, I grew up without the internet, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it was there. Mm -hmm. And now it's everywhere. And now everyone has a you know a phone. Yeah. And now we have cell towers everywhere, spilling immense amount of radiation yeah, twenty four yeah, seven. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's not just the cell towers; it's just a whole bunch of uh, of of uh, EMF. You know, mm -hmm. we're in a we're in a soup of electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah. And uh, the point that I'm kind of really making is is that thing that that that's only like within a couple decades. That that happened, yeah. And and the the I remember when I was younger how difficult it was for uh, older people to mm -hmm. learn how to turn a computer on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still difficult, you know. Like I know people who are who are closer to sixty and they yeah. still can't figure this shit out. Yeah. And so their ability to adapt to these times is difficult because it it just it happened too quickly. Mm. And yeah, you can see it both ways, as you said. Right. Maybe to bring it back also to that ecosystem engineer capabilities that we have. So we are the one ecosystem engineers that are engineering on a speed that mm. is not comparable to any other species. You know, you don't you think have so? the, I don't think oh, so. Yeah, 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 engineering. A, yeah, 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 engineering on a on a time scale. You know, if you look at the beaver or the rabbits, they do it for millions of years, but in the same kind of comparable speed. Mm. They not became faster <laughs> or yeah. you know more intense. They they do it the way they they do it, and they're already at a maximum. Yeah. I would say. But with us, obviously, we are capable of of coming up with more technology um, innovations that allow us to even further and further and faster and faster change our environment. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't. It would. It would make no sense if if nature would allow a species to grow to to change its environment that fast without being able to adapt to it. That's what I would well, think. Well, it's interesting yeah. to me because um, we, we go back now, pre-1948, there was no penicillin. We had no antibiotics. Yeah. In a natural world, uh, our population didn't grow as quick. Yeah. And um, we had to live and do certain things mm -hmm. to to stay clean, you know, to to lower the uh, possibility of bacterial infections and, um, yeah. uh, you know, these kind of these kind of issues. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so... Today, everybody gets antibiotics, the cheapest thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it costs nothing. It's it's not really something you could patent. Yeah, um, but on the for, long term, you know. Well, and for this reason, so sure, if that's uh... well, for this reason, we no longer care. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody thinks, oh, if I just get a, if if I stub my toe and my yeah. my foot gets infected, I'll just go and get antibiotics. People don't think twice about yeah. how that used to be a death sentence. Yeah, but also. You might have already experienced it yourself. You know, you see like one antibiotic is not working, then you take the next one. It's not me working. myself. I've never done anything yeah. like that, but I've seen people. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah, that yeah. once where I also had a severe infection and things were not working. You know, yeah. I had to go through a couple things before I really felt better. Well, I've so. actually come full circle now, and in my life, I'm I'm 
more now like I'd have to be on death's door to take an antibiotic yeah, nowadays. Yeah. And I say I that in it only because I I've I've re-implemented um techniques into my life to to you know to be very mindful mm. of what I'm letting in and what I'm taking in the environment around me and yeah. so on and so forth. You keep your performance up, right? Well, so I try to, you know, yeah. I try to minimize the things that I know affect my uh, my my health and the and mm. longevity in a negative way yeah, yeah. whether whether it be through nutrition and food uh, for, or or just even exposure to um dirty electricity and so yeah. on and so forth absolutely um and 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 lots of little stuff but this is the thing is that i wanted to take that on and i wanted to do that and i don't get sick you know like mm. very rarely do i actually get sick um, everybody else in my company is constantly getting sick. Yeah. But that's because they 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 don't eat properly and they wear themselves, you know, thin and um Yeah, absolutely. And, right? And a lot of them have kids, but I don't think that really like today, I mean, I went and jumped in the lake and swam and mm-hmm. um I do that in the winter as well. And I, I I know that nobody in my company would ever do that yeah. because they're they're just uh, too soft for that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think it oh, it doesn't need to be always like that, you know. I think it's important to find your remedy and your your lifestyle that that makes you happy because i think happiness is a is a big big thing for us to absolutely to keep us healthy and happiness is we just watched that movie you know hector's uh, search for happiness i think it's also to add uh, on it's a very individual thing what makes people happy you know some people mm-hmm. are happy in in different situations so figure out what makes you happy and find it in the little things in the everyday life although right. you might think my life is far from happiness there's so much you can discover yep. and be happy and thankful for right right on yeah all right well let's wrap this up for today yeah sure um before we go we are live on rockfin rumble twitch d life and Telegram, I didn't do the Telegram today. I gotta stop doing it. I, it's brutal. A Telegram's a pay to the like. I love the Telegram platform. <laughs> I like that you uh, you caught yourself before it. You well, said no, that. I mean, it, look, it's a pain <laughs> no. in the ass because ah, yeah, uh, it. well, it's similar to Rockfin. Rockfin's also in the same way a pain in the ass that you have to go to Rockfin after starting the stream and say, yeah, go live. So you have to go and push an extra button. Whereas all the other guys, you don't have to. Telegram's the same way. You got to go into Telegram mm. and say, start a live stream from this and that. And I just, I, I forget because I don't typically, I'm not one of those people that are always fumbling with my phone. You know how it is with complaint, 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 what are you going on about? Well, complaining? Complaining. Oh, okay. Complain? Yeah. You know how it works? No, tell me. If you complain about something, go and do something about it. Well, this or is... Or stop it. So this is the next... <laughs> no, no, you, you, you're completely right. And yeah. I've been thinking about this. Um, I've been really thinking about canceling uh, a couple of our... Um, Oh, look, we got a couple of people coming in. Yeah, here today. or just say, you know, write them a message and say, hey, please, can you check that and, and change that? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm actually thinking about dropping D Live, a, a Rumble, um, with the live streaming, and um, maybe even Telegram as well, and looking for a couple other resources. Mm-hmm. So, if, you, if any of you guys out there know of a good video casting platform for live streaming that isn't YouTube, or Facebook, <laughs> or Twitter, or any of those things that uh, that that uh, you know, I think the one thing I really like about what we're doing is is uh, we're not invoking the uh, the censorship oh. gods here. It's a mosquito and attacking I know the mosquito me. likes you. My goodness. Ah! Got him. <laughs> no! And, well, that's the you way it was. Him. Too many times he flew in my ear. He had to pay the piper. Uh, um, his fitness is... Uh, done. Done. Right. So uh, what I'm what I'm saying is, is that um, 
I found that to be just an absolute pain in the ass to constantly uh, bicker with YouTube and their opinions. You know, Madeline has a podcast where she goes over really cool topics with other scientists who are the head of their field. And sometimes YouTube sees it fit to say, you can't talk about that because you're not an expert. Mm. They are the experts. And so it's just well, little things like that where I, I just, you know what? I'm going to censor YouTube. They're not coming onto our show. And no. so we're just not going to start with them that way. But um, that being said, Rumble, I think, is a, a bit um, expensive. We we actually have to subscribe to them in order to be able to um, live stream to them. Mm. And uh, I see a lot of people actually using the Rumble after the live stream, but not during the live stream. Yeah. So I just think okay. that Rumble's not there yet for live streaming. So we might just cancel the Rumble live streaming and only upload to Rumble. Mm -hmm. um, I find Twitch and Rockfin awesome. DLive is also awesome. Uh, I just haven't had a lot of feedback from it yet, but the channels are new. The channels are called Smart Home Slow People <laughs> because the censorship gods of Twitch deemed that stupid people is offensive. Mm. And yeah, slow is like okay. how how can stupid people be offended? I mean, that's what makes them stupid, hmm. right? So it just it justifies the cause. <laughs> All right, I don't know. Um, Telegram is fantastic. Actually, I think that if Telegram did a couple updates and integrated their chat, that would be amazing. Or, or integrated just you know like when I push go live here that it just goes live on Telegram. I think Telegram can just take everything over. I think it's mm -hmm. it's really that and the fact that like they have a desktop app. Unfortunately, the desktop app doesn't play the live stream video. Oh, it does actually. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I believe it does. Um, so my point is, is that uh, go check out the Telegram app. The Smart Home Stupid People channel and the chat, Smart Home Stupid Chat. If you guys want to ask us questions or uh, comments or suggest any material for show, um, that's the best place to do it because mm -hmm. there we're going to see it and everybody else will see it and we can bring it into a conversation yeah, and bring cool. it to life. We Perfect. are also live in audio form on Podbean where you can listen to us in audio form and later on will then be converted to a podcast and published to every major podcast platform out there, Apple, Spotify, Deezer, you name it, we're there right now. So this has actually mm. been a really fun endeavor for that reason. Yeah. Right. And it's and it, like I said, I, I really enjoy um, some of like like Rockfin. We already have about two thousand followers on Rockfin. It's it, it that actually happened really quickly, and I and I'm seeing a lot of positive action happening over there. Um, and so I definitely this is the big reason why we decide to make Rockfin our home. Yeah. Um, we uh, we now have all of our content on Rockfin with a premium membership. You will always able be able to see all of the content without a premium membership. And the Rockfin they have a a payment plan that's similar to Netflix. You you pay for a membership and you get all premium content across the entire platform. With um um with the Rockfin thing. I think it's it's also great because now we can also deem you know the last four episodes to always be open to the public, meaning that it that anybody out there can always go to Rockfin and listen to the last four episodes, and that's how I'm kind of keeping things going right now. So there we go. That was uh, that was our uh, our little bedtime story. That was our bedtime story right there. Exactly. <laughs> let's uh, so let's take it home, Maddie. Um, okay. I want I want you to give us a nice, beautiful closing sentence about how does this all relate to reality, and 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 how does this inspire you. Everything about that, you know, uh, about the biological fitness and, well, and, and and adapting to environments and being, to me, it's about being mindful. Yeah. Right. I'm, and, I'm, I've become so mindful of yeah. my environment. Yeah. Mindful and right? also to be aware of that everything is intertwined, that everything that happens around you affects you on a, on a conscious or unconscious level. Right. And as you said, that's why it's important to be mindful about your environment to really 
evaluate and ask yourself, is this how I want to live? Is this area where mm-hmm. I want to be? Does that do any good for me? Is there more, you know, more negative shit coming to me than positive stuff? And how do I feel where I am? Am I actually well adapted or maybe I should change my environment because I'm a, you know, like, um, I, I was mentioned that in my book in comparison, you know, you are a, a, a partridge, which is a very timid bird, and you try <laughs> to live in a city, it's not going to work because right. you're not made for it, right? You right. you are you can try as much as you want to adapt. You won't be able to because this is not how you are supposed to live. Right on. And yeah. I just got some great feedback. I just have to put this uh, out oh, yeah. there. Um, nice. So uh, Jonas chimed in on the Telegram app to say, Rumble and Telegram are his favorite apps for live streaming. <laughs> <laughs> so he so he is definitely in that case the exception that disproves right. the rule that I just put out there. Okay. So all right, Rumble uh, it, it'll stay around for a while. Uh, you know, like <laughs> Thanks, I said, Rumble Rumble is just a bit of a pain in the ass because we have to pay the membership, mm. and I I just wish that they would include live streaming in their free membership. Yeah, right. Well, they also have to survive somehow, I guess. Well, I don't know. From what I yeah. understand, like server servers are expensive, and they're probably just not there. Yet yet uh, mm. but they are going to be from what i understand um publicly traded soon mm. so maybe their right. stocks will go up and they'll afford a couple servers and get it going well, uh, as i mentioned telegram is my favorite uh platform as far as being able to communicate to to have everything in a very direct uh personal you know mm-hmm. um it's 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 i think that telegram is just fantastic for that reason um to show you guys what i mean we're gonna just jump right over and this is the telegram app this is like for me this is it on my other computer on the desktop and this is what it uh, looks like and how it works. Mm-hmm. So, nice. um, yeah, it's 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 very simple. So you can put it on your desktop. You can download it as an app on your phone or uh, tablet or whatever the hell you got. And it's I just I just find it to be very smooth. The video and the audio quality is very good, and the ability to constantly actually chat to us in the Telegram app is I find to be really cool. Perfect. Perfect. Very easy. Cross platform. All right. So, um, cool. yeah, those were very lovely words that you just said that I had Thank to uh, interrupt. So please say something nice again so we can close the show. <laughs> I don't know. I said everything I want you she to. She said everything she wanted to. All right, everybody <laughs> out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was Smart Home Stupid People. Today we talked about biological fitness. We yep. learned a lot. And uh, any great topics, let us know. And yeah, we could pick sure. Maddie's brain some more. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Have a great evening. We will not be around this weekend. We will see you next Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Maybe with some news. We'll see. With some news. Oh, yeah, we got some upcoming news, that's for sure. Mm. Until then, bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye.